Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most family-friendly podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Dimrose. This is a show where we ask you what's your story and what does it say about you. Today on the show, I have a gentleman who's worked at Every Cloud Productions, the production company, for three years. He's also had a bunch of side hustles, including chili oil, bathroom tiling, and kids' books, as well as his own podcast. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Matt Kazakos. How are you doing, Matt? Good, George. How are you? I'm good. How's that summary? Did I nail it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Current some of the side hustles are still currently happening hilariously, but um, yeah, the 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 tiling has been put to bed. That is probably what's the tile? What was the tiling one? That's actually was a side business you started. No, 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 no. I was it was a um it was a job that I got throughout uni. Um, when I realised that I was like burning through cash very quickly, and I was like, uh, gonna have to maybe maybe earn some money through. A job other than pizza delivery, which was you know forty bucks cash on a Friday night um, from, yeah. from from my local. Um, so I I contacted a family uh, who were good friends of my own who had given my older brothers jobs throughout their schooling, and um, they didn't have anything going for their in their little kind of company that they ran. And one of their daughters had just gotten together with this guy who was a tiler. And long story short, he called me and was like, hey, mate, like, I need a labourer. Do you want to jump on board for a few weeks? And that ended up being four years. Like, every winter and summer break from uni, I would go and just tile bathrooms with this guy, Lee, who uh, was super lovely guy. I, I, I rate that. Because, like, you were doing, obviously, like, yeah, I did mention it, but you did screenwriting at VCA, right? Yeah, so, I was doing a it, fine arts course and also, like, yeah. yeah, and then hanging out with tradies throughout the throughout the rest of the week, which was pretty that, pretty good mix. That's perfect, I reckon. That's way better. You'd be humanizing people, which, like, I think people in the arts can sometimes have a habit of uh, dismissing, like, as a group, I think, a lot of the time. So Yeah, definitely. Getting- like, um even demonizing to some degree, but uh, no, I, I definitely had a good balance. I, v- VCA, like I went, I went to the Melbourne kind of arts college, Victorian College of the Arts, and that was a great experience. And I had an awesome, like the course was fantastic. But I definitely stuck out a little bit there. As like, I got it was really funny. I got pegged as like a jock, and just looking at me, like it's I'm like five foot seven, like I weigh like. A feather, like it, it, I'm not, you know, and I'm not very athletic, mainly. So compared to v- VCA people, <laughs> yeah, it well, that's the thing. It was purely because, you know, in comparison, you know, I could kind of kick a ball and 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 hold a hammer, 
And it was like, oh, he's a just an alpha jock dick. And I was like, no, I like I like storytelling. What do you mean? It was. Um, Are you going to come bully us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This is our space. I would walk into the the campus holding like a, a soccer ball or something, and it was like I was carrying a gun or something. Like people were just like, "What the hell are you doing? Like that's not that's not what we do here." You know, it was like I was a, it was like a prop for the theater company or something. <laughs> it's any way you could justify. It. Yeah, that's a yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was that's great fun. Pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. That's a it's a, it's yeah a healthy mix. I would say sometimes people can fall into the like yeah. Going down that stuff too much sometimes. You see yeah. it in comedy as well, where just people like that. Everyone exists in a bubble. It's you know the best example is actually from a comedy point of view is um, Melbourne Comedy Festival. Obviously, everyone who's in comedy knows about the Melbourne Comedy Festival, and like I'm always I was talking to them, I'm like guys, you understand. Most people don't even know this is on. Like, yes, it gets advertised every a billion times, but like, you don't get it. A normal person, this is just another thing. Yeah. In the yeah, year, yeah, yeah. it's not like their life depends on it. They'll all realize maybe a week in. Yeah. But like, it's not the big deal that yes, it's on TV and it's everything, but it's still, you, it's not as big as you think. So. Yeah, that helps having a lot of friends who have jobs and kids and stuff like that. Yeah, so, just different people yeah. who walk different paths in life to have different perspectives, you know, enjoy different interests. You know, it, it's I think it makes you understand and appreciate and empathize with people a lot better if you have connections into those little worlds, even if it's just like working a job in that industry for a, a few years, you know. Yeah, and I think it's easy it's, uh, to see the – to understand – I always think to understand is not to justify, but it's okay to understand why people might have opinions, which you can disagree with and be like, that's wrong. And you're allowed to disagree with them and say it's wrong, but you're also yeah. nothing wrong with understanding it as well. Yeah. hundred percent. I think people get confused 100%. about. Like, I get where these people are coming from, even if I completely disagree with them. Yeah. And I think people 100%. sometimes lose that. Yeah. And you can see that they're coming from a good place. And if anything, if nothing more, it gave me like, it, it kind of sounds cliche, but it definitely gave me that experience of like, you know how you p- hear people like in the arts, it's like, oh, they've never worked a hard day in their life. It's like, well, first of all, they probably definitely have because just working in the arts is pretty hard anyway. But getting up at like four in the morning in the winter to go out to like, you know, broad meadows to tile, you know, like all that kind of and mixed concrete and all that kind of stuff, it, it you know, it's um it's something I'm glad that I've done. I'm glad that I have done, but while I was doing it, it was like, oh my God, this is like, this is terrible. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm an artist. Yeah. These hands are made for writing, not for yeah. tiling. Yeah, no, they shouldn't have calluses on them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, true. Uh, okay. So, before, let's start with the book and then we'll jump into other stuff as we go. Um, yeah. So, let's get started with that. So, you've picked a classic, but uh, yeah, your book of choice for today is. Uh, Tomorrow When the War Began by John Marsden. James, yeah, John Marsden, sorry. I was going to say James mm. Marsden. Um, that's, uh, yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, which I feel like, I wonder if it's still as popular now, but anyways, for people who don't know, basically it's a classic Australian novel written back like 20 years ago, you'd say, something like that? Yeah, I think it was 93, oh, but I could be wrong. 30 years ago. Jesus, I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's definitely in the 90s, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and- uh, that uh and yes, yeah, so basically about a bunch of kids, uh, an, an invasion. You never get told who the invader are, mm-hmm. who the invaders are from a small Australian town, and these kids who kind of rebel against it, essentially. Yeah, that's a fair summary. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, and it, I should say, like, I'm I'm kind of, I don't know if this is cheating or anything, but I'm kind of nominating the whole series of books. The the oh, I think yeah. it's about six or seven books yeah. because that's kind of how I read them as well. I got lucky in the sense that. I kind of, having two older brothers, I kind of followed with whatever kind of interests or, or um, 
you know, shows or sports or whatever they were kind of into, I kind of like tagged along. And if I enjoyed it, I, I would get the benefit of that. And Tomorrow When the War Began was a series that my uh, middle brother, Adrian, read. Um, and I think I didn't take to it very, very, I think because I'm five or six years younger than him. So when I read it, I think I was a little bit older than most people who would probably read. I think I was about 14 or 15, but all of the books were out by that stage. And I read them over the course of like a summer. And obviously there's books like, you know, Harry Potter and Artemis Fowl and those kind of series that when we were kids were like seminal and like huge. And I definitely was into those. Um, some people are going to think I'm crazy for saying Harry Potter and Artemis Fowl in the same sentence because some people be like, Artemis Fowl, what's that? It was big for me. But um, I tomorrow like when the war began- I, 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 That's showing your age being a bit of a generation younger, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Artemis Fowl. <laughs> to, yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow when the war began was um, was important bec- for me, at least, because it was- the most kind of absorbing and one of the most relatable reads that I had as a kid. It was obviously an Australian series and it was set, I believe, either in kind of, I think probably the borderlands between Victoria and New South Wales. So I I grew up in Victoria and, and kind of could get a sense of where everything was. It wasn't like a, you know, it felt very real. And I think for that reason, it was just so absorbing and, and engaging. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think it's a good read. Like I, I haven't actually read it since mm. back when I read it when I was younger, but I feel like it's it was exciting the whole way through. Like yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely, and th- and that's the thing. It's it's a it's a bunch of things. It's not just like you're right. You you were saying I think it's a it's about a kid, a bunch of kids, country kids, like farm kids who who rebel against this kind of invading force. But throughout the series, it deals with things like grief and tragedy and. Um, ingenuity and friendship and you know strategy like all the all these things that like these kids come up against um as they're kind of entering early adulthood and um it was like a very it was it's an adventure story at at its heart but it's also just deal it's 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 like a metaphor for basically growing up i think the the seminal moment in the book is when they when the after the invasion happens or when the invasion happens they're all camping in this place called hell which is just this this part of the bush that they like. And um, when they go back into town and get a sense of what ha- what's happened, the first thing they do is all go back. They all go back to hell and all camp out and basically think, well, you know, we've got to wait this out. And if I remember correctly, it's it's a couple of the characters, Ellie, the main character, and Homer, um, who basically, you know, they get itchy feet and they say to the rest of the gang, like, guys, we actually can't wait this out. We actually have to act. We actually have to, like, this is a problem we need to face. And that sets in motion their whole story. And I think if, unless I'm grasping at straws, I think that's kind of like a, an important metaphor for just in general, like when life throws you like these big important moments, you can't just go and hide away from them. You've actually got to think about how you can deal with them and it might be dangerous and scary and all these kind of things. And that's just part of it. Um, so I think it's, it's, a, it's a very clever layered um, series of books. Mm. Yeah, no, actually, now that you're saying that, that makes me think, and this is classic where you like you, the stuff you read before you learned other things, but mm. um, I'm guessing since you're a screenwriter, you would know all about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Pretty well. So, that like what you described is the classic like call to action and then like the will you or won't you and then you actually act on it, but like I guess done more extreme because they actually run away and that the call to action is almost internal for them. It's not as much external. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're very much thrust into their scenario, but they do have an out if they want it. They do have a way of they could just live on their supplies, hide out in the bush. But, like, at the end of the day, they might emerge into a world that they had no part in shaping and, and, and doesn't actually welcome them back kind of thing. It could be have It could have been overtaken. It could have been overrun. So I think it's about them just kind of fighting for what they love and what they believe in and and I think that's again why you get so behind them throughout the series because all I remember all the deaths and all the all the danger that they're in it felt so um so brutal and so real and some of them are, some of the sequences are really interesting because he he doesn't shy away Marsden the writer he doesn't shy away from having these really realistic sequences where they're like stuck in a situation for like hours so I remember one series, one sequence where they're stuck up these trees for like eleven or twelve hours while these soldiers have kind of like zeroed in on them, and the main core characters are just kind of sitting there waiting, you know, in these really uncomfortable cold positions, unable to like piss, unable to eat, just waiting to try and escape. And then eventually, it kind of, yeah, I think that I think it's just there's a bunch of things, there's action and there's romance and all that kind of stuff, but there's it just felt really real. Yeah. Spoke to you at that time. Uh, yeah, definitely. And that's that's the other thing. I think the books definitely put you in a position of asking yourself, what would you do in that scenario? So that's an interesting, that that's like, that's a really interesting thing to, to pose to readers, I think, generally. You know, that's the whole thing about, you know, something like Breaking Bad was that it made a lot of people say, what would you do for your family? Like, what are you willing, what would you be willing to sacrifice? Would you would you turn evil for your family in, in order to protect them kind of thing? And um, that's why we're able to kind of back those kind of anti-hero characters that have come up so much in the in the last 10, 12, 15 years of, of TV. So, yeah, I think it definitely it definitely made me think about what I would do in that scenario. But also I think it opened up a lot of thoughts about – because I've, I've lived a really lucky, privileged, privileged life. So I think more than anything it probably made me think about how people deal with grief and tragedy and, you know, unexpected circumstances and things like that. I'm not sure if it made me realize anything or a- answer any of those, you know, kind of big questions, but it definitely got me thinking mm. about them because, you know, as one of those lucky kids that, you know, I, I experienced death with my grandparents or and my dog, you know, but not with anything that was like, you know, knock on wood, not, nothing that was like unexpected, if that makes sense. You know, you, yeah. you expect your grandparents to die, you expect your dogs to die. But in terms of actual hardship, it was, I was, I was very fortunate to have a really lucky childhood. I didn't actually realize how much this book meant to me before I started talking about it like this. I've never, never talked about it like this before. I just really liked it. It was a, it was a cool war story, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's funny because again, yeah, I'm, I'm stretching my memory to it's, and it's weird because like this is a long time ago for me. It was looking like yeah. 20 years potentially. Um, but I do remember like even the trauma and the post-traumatic stress and all that stuff. It doesn't shy away. It's not a happy ending in terms of like the scars that remain. And exactly, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah well and some put. of the deaths are brutal because, yeah, I think that was one of the first books I read where it's like you liked the characters and they died so much, like as in it was so tragic. Yes, and and the friction that happened because of it as well was so real, kind of. Yeah, and the and the tragedy of them just having to move on immediately, like kind of you know, pa- you know, just pack up and move on, kind of thing. You know, oh, this person's dead, but well, we 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 gotta we gotta get to the next thing because otherwise we'll we'll be the same kind of thing. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, did you um for just a small change in topic? So, your role because I'm actually very interested. So, in terms mm. of production company, what is it you do there? 
So I work um, in the development team, which is uh, essentially just me and the head of content at every cloud um, and the creative um, head of creative. We basically just work together forming what's called a development slate. I'm very much the, I mean, almost like the youngest child of that company as well, because I'm like the third tier in the development. I, I kind of I do a bunch of things. I administrate like um, work uh, writers workshops and, and story rooms. So like that's the classic kind of people know a little bit about what a plotting room is. It's like, you know, people go in, in a room and just kind of plot out the series um, and episodes for different shows. So I help like basically facilitate that. I send out the agreements and I contact the writers about who's going to be coming in to do those plotting workshops. So is that purely a structural thing where people get in the room and do that sort of thing? Or is it like they're not writing the script? No, they're not writing the script. Yeah, it's pretty much just there's two forms of it. You can either do a story conference, which is they come in and we've already got got content for them to work on. Um, So it's already a base level. And then there's brainstorming, which is we've got like a little concept of an idea. But we need things like characters and world building and themes and, you know, how we want the show to work and stuff. So brainstorming is more like ground up stuff. Story conferencing is when they come in and we've got it maybe say a story conference for a second series of something. So they've already got the first series to base that on. They're just like coming up with ideas for we do a lot of murder mysteries, um, for example. So it's like literally coming in and being like, all right, how do we kill? What's the murder in this first episode? How does this person die? Who kills them? What's the motive? What's the method? You know, it's like playing Cluedo with a, a bunch of um, writers, which is quite fun. Really? That does sound actually pretty fun. Is yeah. That, is that a show yeah. people know? What's your most popular one that I guess you guys have- So, Every Cloud is most known for Miss Fisher, which was on the ABC from 2012 to 2015. It's quite well known, like, globally as well. It's massive fan base over in America and in England. Um I actually, before I started working for the company, I actually thought that it was a British series because it's set in the 20s in Australia. So everyone kind of talks with that regal, you know, um, Australian-English kind of hybrid that hasn't quite become Aussie yet. Yeah, that's amazing. I actually thought it was uh, British as well. So that's Yeah. A, yeah. yeah. So we, we made that. In terms of those, it seemed, it looks high, but you know what I mean? It looks good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they knocked it out of the park. Like they, they did a fantastic job and it's still a flagship of our company through that we've done. And we also did a Miss Fisher movie and we've, we've um, they adapted it in China to a thing called Miss S. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a huge property for us. Um, but we've, we've in the meantime been branching out, doing other things. Um, we just did a, a series for Stan called Eden, um, a Christmas movie last year for Stan as well. But yeah, basically my job is essentially in, in, a, in a nutshell, it's taking, it's it's working with the concepts that we have on our development slate. So the ideas for shows, and we're very much working towards what the market is calling for um, and where the shows can fit in terms of having a home. Um, we work with our, our ideas and our concepts that we have, and I help with my team, with the team of developers um, basically take them hopefully from a very early stage of de- development all the way through to being pitch ready and then fingers crossed, like, you know, eventually made into a series or a film or whatever, something like that. Yeah. So I guess it's funny because like this is this is so interesting to me because it's a combination of – it's the classic arts and finance and commerce meeting each other essentially. Yeah. Um, yes. Because people could be like, oh, it's so cold – to just be basing things on demographics, but it's actually, well, no, you find the space and then you create within that space is I'm guessing how you yeah. justify that sort of thing. That's, well, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so is that what literally, so you're like, ah, oh, this is so hot right now. <laughs> <Is> that- <laughs> <laughs> I've never said that. Hopefully <laughs> I don't, I never do. Um, 
I we basically we do, like any company, and this is just how the industry works in general. The the any production company in Oz or anywhere, in fact, would be looking as, as to what the market is kind of demanding just through how people watch things, what people are watching, you know, and that could just be as simple as like, hey, crime is is really up right now, kind of thing. Like, and and not only is it up, but it can murder mysteries in particular can be played, you know, throughout the day on any channel. You know what I mean? Because they're usually quite, you know, got a family-friendly rating. So there's things like that. And then there's other things like, okay, what do we want to make as a company? Like every cloud is very much like putting women in front, um, uh, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. Like what what shows can we kind of um, elevate so that we've got these strong female protagonists? Um, you know, that's that's what our founders kind of set out to do 10 years ago. And, and are still doing now. So so there's all all those elements that, again, other companies would have their own prerogatives to kind of and, and principles to keep upstanding. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting – it's an interesting time to be in the industry purely because it's changing so rapidly due to these streaming services. Because um, I'm, I'm only, like you said at the start, three years into this job, and I, I got it quite quickly after university, which was just a combination of, of luck and, and good timing. Um, and so I'm kind of like learning as I go, faking it till I make it, all that kind of stuff and just kind of absorbing as much as I can in the meantime. And, and, you know, everyone around me is like, oh, it's insane. Like the networks are, uh, don't want drama anymore. And the SVODs are, are building up in, in Australia, you know, that we've got Stan and Netflix has come aboard, like all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's plenty of opportunity, but there's also plenty of like shifting tides, I guess. Would you say it's uh, better now for Australian production than 10 years ago or worse or like i mean the general view of obviously australian media in general because i've got actor friends and they're like it's just it's very tough here you know it just doesn't compare to america and stuff like that but do you think it's getting gotten better or worse i don't know i think i think i guarantee like i don't know if i'm all i can give you is my very limited opinion but i think that definitely it would be tough i like i think anytime we compare ourselves to la yeah. We're in trouble a little bit because LA was literally a town that was built to make film and TV. It was founded on that principle, essentially. Um, and so it's it's like comparing us to Germany or Japan for car making kind of thing. It's just, it's what they do. They're good at it mm. and it's what they do. And it's a huge part of their culture. And it's it's becoming a part of our culture. We We have some great examples of film and television, but I think like, a lot of what I've been watching the Olympics recently and there's it's it's crazy how much we as a nation kind of try and punch above our weight and and expect so much like you know it's always about the medal tally it's all about how many golds have we got it's all about you know and it's good to be ambitious but it's also good to be like hey like we're a small nation we don't need to be like the greatest ever <laughs> Kind of thing, and I think it's the it's same. About having with, fun, guys. Yeah, right. man. Like, <laughs> uh, but no, literally, I heard one of the commentators the other day be like, "Oh, a bronze medal is nothing to sneeze at." I was like, "Yeah, it's a bro- Olympic bronze medal. Why would you sneeze at it?" Like, it's, and I think that's what happens a lot with just our our culture a little bit, or especially with the Australian like film industry is is people expect it to be as good as as the American stuff or the British stuff, and I think definitely sometimes it can be. But I think we need to kind of um, temper those expectations a little bit, maybe, and and because we're in a bit of a catch up game at the moment, I think. Yeah, and I think it's a I don't know I I'm a bit more uh, 
I feel Australia, Australia's got a weird attitude towards the arts in some ways, I feel like. So it's like just – and I think it's actually potentially maybe in the industry as well. I don't know. It just mm. seems like they're a bit not – a bit scared to take certain risks and to mm. maybe present things like – they're not willing to be as messy and it might just be a case where the market's not big enough for them to feel like they can take these risks. So you end up with this a bit less mm. like interesting stuff going on. Yeah, I think um, so. I think so. And I think it's also just a, a, how can I phrase this? I think, let me temper what I said before about just us expecting a lot. I think I'll give you an example in America to plot an episode of, let's bring it back to something like Mad Men or I don't know, Breaking Bad again. It it, it yeah, takes you do those, bad men this time, John. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it takes it takes them, or the, not. It it doesn't take them. They have something like six or seven weeks to plot an hour of drama. Um, with like seven intelligent writers. So that's why when you see <laughs> someone like Walter, it's crazy, right? When you see someone like Walter White get out of a situation in two minutes that you thought he was going to be killed in. It's like, he's a genius. It's like, no, he's, well, he is because his character is, but the solution that he found in two minutes, it took like seven intelligent men and women, like seven weeks to come up with or six weeks to come up with and make airtight. In Australia, the first writer's room I was ever part of, it was a wonderful room. It was really intelligent, really kind people. They had to plot and execute... Um, a series of eight episodes and they had like three days an episode. <laughs> three days, right? And so it's like it, you can't, it, it, the time, and, and that's purely because there's not enough funds in the industry at the moment. There's not enough funds diverted to the arts that allow for the time needed to create premium content. I'm not saying mm. it can't be done. It still can't be done well. There's plenty of great series on or, or, or movies and stuff that Australia makes, um, but in terms of the 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 money that goes into the industry, it it doesn't it doesn't allow for the time needed to create good stuff, and that's why a lot of stuff that is made can seem rushed. Yeah, it's a classic. Like you, yes, you can still get magic striking even with that time frame, but it, the fact is the odds are just going to be way less because you just don't mm. have the time to. Yeah. That makes mm. sense. So, I, look, if we are talking about tomorrow when the war began, and look, I'm probably guessing you might be limited out of politeness from giving your full raw opinion about things like this. But what did you think of the movie that came out for tomorrow when the war began? I was, I was a fan. I was a fan. I thought it was. I will. I do. I didn't think. Um, I'm trying to remember because there's been a few iterations that have come out. I haven't. I've seen. I have not seen the ABC se- series, but I've heard. And I think that was a combination of, I think I'd probably outgrown it a bit and I'd seen and read and like I I was kind of over the series at that point. I didn't need to dive it, dive back in. But no, I thought the movie, and this is not, this. you know, people will probably think, oh, he's in the industry. He knows people who made it. He can't say anything. I actually genuinely thought the movie was awesome. Not, not like absolutely outstanding, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes kind of thing. But I thought it was good enough, definitely, to merit a sequel. I think they only would have gotten better. I thought it was. I thought it did exactly like. Obviously, there's a, there's a few like a little bit of corny acting here and there, you know. But I thought in terms of in terms of the um, and that's acting. I think corny acting. I think is a combination of. I would blame most of that on writing, um, mm. just because I think if something sounds corny, it's because it doesn't sound realistic, maybe, or it sounds a bit over. 
like a bit try hard or whatever whatever the word is. I don't know. I I I, I when I write, I read out my scenes out loud. And, you know, the first few passes at things always sound terrible because it's really hard to actually gauge how people talk and not only how people talk, but how to balance how people talk with actually how do you, what information do you need them to like need them to convey? So overall, I thought like genuinely the writing and the adaption was really good. I I enjoyed the movie. I went and saw it hilariously with my brothers and mum and dad because we were all like invested in the series i think we'd all read them at some point um oh really oh yeah because your brothers were <laughs> yeah yeah um but no <laughs> i thought the there was experience now this book <laughs> i know right it was like a big family outing no i thought that i thought the movie was good i thought the action sequences were great no i actually agree i think it was i think it did have moments of cheesiness uh-huh mm. But overall, like, it did quite well. The only thing I thought was, <laughs> still remember to this day, and I don't remember what happens in the books of this, but the, the trope of the religious person who doesn't want to commit violence, yeah. then murdering, like, 500 <laughs> She literally people. mows down, like, she literally mows down, like, 40 dudes. <laughs> and it's treated as a glorious thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. It's That's almost, it's this- almost, you can almost see, there's almost a moment where Jesus like pops his head out of the clouds and he's like, it's okay. Like, go yeah. ahead. And like gives her a <laughs> wink. And then it's like, oh, like divine intervention. Great. Okay, it's like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I always think that's hilarious whenever they do that. It's like, man, killing people is wrong. Like, is yeah. it, and if you have to do it, it's tragic that you have to do it. It's not yeah. this awesome, it's just this, this child like, murdering really glorious. Yeah. so many people. Yeah. Was, yeah. I was dying with laughter in the cinema yeah. when I watched that. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so ridiculous. Like, yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, I don't know. That's. Do you get that with like... And that's probably a victim of me having some like appreciation for not appreciate I'm, 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 there's no way I can come out of this now without saying like a massive douchebag like, <laughs> where like I'm tr- I'm I've seen a lot I've done a lot of storytelling read a lot about it done all yeah, that yeah. stuff of books and stories in general so usually I, like I do take into account a little bit more than maybe the 
just that feeling in that moment of awesomeness at something. I'm always looking at yeah. like what it means and the underlying yes. motives and stuff. Um, so that means that sometimes that impacts my viewing experience of something when watching a movie or reading a book even. If I'm like, ah, this is pandering or yeah. not thought about this or if this doesn't feel thematically in line with yeah. what it should be, like kind of yeah. I feel like judgment. Is that something that must happen with you, surely? It happens with, with me in a sense of like I th- think about what the experience of writing it would have been like. I think I'm still honing – like I watch a lot of YouTube kind of uh, uh, video essays about – Either some, either a film that I hated, or a series that I loved, or just just anything like that analyzes the the craft of kind of writing and storytelling and stuff. I find quite interesting just to have one in the background, almost like a podcast. But um, I, I think I'm definitely still honing my ability to be able to intelligently criticize things and work out what the problem with something is. Because whenever I hear other people do it, I'm like, you know, we we did it at the end of every semester at at uni. We would put our scripts up on the board and read them, and I would always come out with like, "Hey, that was wonderful! Like, you, you've the characters are so good, and I love this part, and I love that part, and you know, maybe you could tweak that or whatever." And then this, a couple people in the back would say these really, and it was never meant for, it was never harsh or anything. It was just criticism because that was the whole point of showing it to people or like constructive feedback, it was, um, they would come out with these really intelligent, like fixes for these problems that sometimes I wouldn't even see, but then I would agree with immediately. I bet that is just such a a good way to explain and and get the, get a better result out of the script. So definitely still working on that for myself, but definitely what is weird when I see a movie, the first thing that happens, the first shot, no matter how kind of quiet and quiet, uh, quiet my brain is at that point, the first scene, I will do the line of the the big print in my head and I won't even try it. Like, it's not a thing. It's not, I'm not like flexing. It just happens. Like, it's like, you know, a, a, a plane lands at the airport and like, it, it, it's just like a reflective. All oh, right. Like, how would that be written? Yeah, yeah. Music plays as the scene opens on a 1970s era airport. Or exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was way better than what I just did. So, exa- yeah, take that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I had more time to think about it. So, <laughs> um that's yeah so so um obviously movies are a big part of what you do but like do you do you read a lot as well i i wish i was more of an avid reader i have started i think covid has helped me like just read a lot more in general i think probably it's helped a lot of people just do things that are a little bit more analog probably i just realized i've been um i i wanted to ask you about this at the start and i've left it till now you mentioned kid book kids books when you yes. sent me, well, I mentioned kids books that you do, but you sent me the summary of what you do. So yeah, have you written a kids book? I I have, but it's like not, it's not part. It's literally sitting right here. The the um, this is going to be so good for your audio podcasting. So he's he's showing a picture of a it looks like a book called Balloona. Yeah, um, and it looks yep. colourful. It's a it's a book. It's a kids book. It's real. It's not published. It might never be published. Who knows. <laughs> did you did you do what you made it all yourself you got an artist involved and you did the story got a got a fantastic artist called Mete Erdogan um who helped me with the the illustrations and everything it it basically came about from it's been like nine years in the making hilariously it's um just just in terms of where the story came like started and and how it's evolved um it was actually part of my application to get into uni originally um, just started out as like a nine image short story with no words. They just wanted to see if you could convey any, like a story just through images. And so I made, made this thing up with my, um, brother who was handy at Photoshop, put the photos together, sent it in. 
And then throughout uni, I would like work on it as a, I think it was a short script at one stage. And then it became um, a treatment for a, for a, a kid's book. And then I wrote it as a kid's book and turned all the dialogue, like it turned all of the prose into rhyming couplets and gave it to Mete, who was my roommate at that time. And yeah, we've been just slowly chipping away at it, you know, as as a as you do with kind of side little things, you know, slowly throughout the the years. Um, you know, you you kind of it's interesting. You you get really excited about it for like a few months, and then kind of the the passion wanes because you've got other things to do, like you got you paying work or whatever it is, holidays. But it's just always been there, like ticking along, and it's it's in its pretty much its final form right now. But hopefully, it's got one more stage to go, which is that it hopefully gets published, and if not, we'll probably print it ourselves and just work out how to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's nice. That's a, yeah. That's, you really don't like letting go of ideas, do you? <laughs> First one when you get into yeah. uni. Yeah, this one's staying. Uh, is it is uh, actually? And speaking of projects like that, because I'm guessing you got a few like script writing fascinates me because uh, you've you've mentioned a few things here which I think people don't realize, and it's a very big part of the creative. Maybe it's just me that doesn't realize it. But hmm. how long and how much work goes into stuff? <laughs> like you can't just do it casually. Like it's amazing how much like rewriting and editing and stuff. So it's like even with a script, it's like you might see a half hour TV show. I'm currently watching Frasier again. And you're like, this is 22 minutes, but it's like the amount of people involved in writing something like that and the amount of yeah. hours, it's very hard for someone to, you might come in and be like, oh, I feel shit because I can only do this version of that. But it's like the yeah. amount of, you're just seeing the finished product, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. relate to that, I guess, how much have you, have you firstly, have you had any experiences like that? And are you doing anything like that yourself? Like doing any scripts? Well, first of all, no one ever shows Frasier enough love. Uh, it's one of the greatest sitcoms ever. Uh, yeah. So people need to get on that. Oh, um, second of all, <laughs> I think with all of this stuff, I think I've, I've fallen into this industry quite quickly. Um, and so anything I'm saying about it is purely just what I've experienced so far. And I've never done a podcast like this, so it's 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 all coming out and I'm not sure if people will agree with it, disagree with it. It's, it's none of the, the things that I'm spurting out are intended to be kind of gospel, obviously. But um, mm. I think w- both with projects in the industry and projects personally, it's that thing that I was mentioning before about time. Like um, in terms of like your own stuff, like I've got a few scripts on the go that I would love to tell you like, oh, I've written, I've written for two hours every day for the last four years since getting out of uni. Like that, that's the, that's the goal. But I think just with anything – that is, um, it's it's this really hard thing because it's your passion and you love it and you want to commit time to it, but then you find yourself with a spare half an hour and you're like, oh, I, I actually really need to like call this mate or I need to like do the dishes or I need to go and see my like, my partner. Kind of like it's finding the time and not procrastinating with that time is super. I've I've found at least is super tricky because I don't know how you feel, but like I I get home from I get home from work. And I'm like, I've just sat in front of a computer for most of the day and I get home from work and I'm like, I don't really want to do any writing where I use my brain again. I just kind of want, I want to go like swim or play some tennis or like pl- like play some guitar or whatever. So that's been the struggle for me for the last few, I guess, since being out of uni without deadlines is trying to keep those projects going. And that's why I think something like this kid's book or um, or the podcast, they're good little outlets because it's not right. It, it is writing a little bit, but it's it's different. I did improv for a while. I did some musicals. Like it's just like creativity in a different form. 
which I think is yeah. important. Yeah, it's, it can be like, how do you feel about that though? Because do you want to write something? Like, I guess this is the, this is always the big toss up, right? Because like you you've obviously got your job and 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 it's great that you're in the industry anyway, so you're getting that already. But obviously, like you said, it's like how are you going to do it if you don't put the time? And I'm not judging; I'm the same. It's actually a question no, no, I no. I get, I get it, it's man. Like, I get it. I I, yeah. I totally get it. Um, because especially sorry, you look was... at the people who like do the who do it every day religiously, and you're like, fuck, yes, <laughs> I don't yeah. do that. So what yeah, am I doing? Like, is it? In- it's such an interesting point you raised about like, do I actually want to write anything right now? And it's like, I know the I know the feeling of having a story that you, that I love that I want to tell. And that's why I've hung on to this kids book for nine years because I I legitimately love the story as 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 lame as that sounds because I wrote it you know what I mean like as much as you can love something that you kind of wrote yourself, um yeah. and then and then and then there's um and I don't want to sound ungrateful for I I have this crazy job in the industry that I'm like man that is not a guarantee at all you just kind of lucked into that which is really great and hopefully you can hold on for it for a bit longer. But at the same time, I think if I would, didn't have the job and I was just five days a week, I think I'd be hustling to try and write more scripts. I think I'd honestly be trying to have the time and have the energy to do that. Um, it's just trying to hold – it's just trying to have spin all the plates, I guess, is like keep the job but also work on your own stuff a little bit too and, and as much as you can. And yeah, that, it's such a good point you were saying though about like having something you actually want to contribute or want to say or want to write, like um, watching things – that have such an such an urgency to them as well does like it's you, you, you know watching shows that you can tell the person was like i need to tell this story i need to write this i'm like what's that for me you know like um and occasionally lightning strike like i've got this script this feature script that i'm working on at the moment that i'm like pretty passionate about and i think it's growing like the passion is growing which is is cool um but it takes a while in between those ideas i think for me at least and that can be worrisome it's not like i don't subscribe to the belief that like oh no all my creativity's gone like you know how some artists are like i've had this one great idea and it's gone i think it just um the excitement for those ideas can go up and down and you can it's just about having a variety of things to work on at the one time maybe like i i branched out to doing improv um, a few years ago because it felt immediate. It felt like I was doing something creative that was just done and that's it. Like rather than sitting in front of a script that won't be seen maybe ever, um, it was doing something that felt immediate to just calm that, like to just satisfy a bit of the creative stuff. And with the podcast I do, like I was curious to start one, curious to make one and the the themes that are, and, and stuff we were talking about, I was interested in, in what people's kind of worst travels experience, travel experiences were just because a lot of the stories I heard were really funny and I wanted to like put them to, to, you know, down on tape. But it also is scratching an itch a little bit for me of like, oh, it's something that I'm like putting out and like creating, but it's also a little bit lazy in the sense that like the guest does all the talking and then I kind of like put it together and it's like, hey, I did this. It's like, yeah, you just asked someone to tell you a story. (laughs) It's like (laughs) sometimes I kind of catch myself a little bit like that and I'm like, is this... I mean, at the end of the day, I really like doing it. So who cares? Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> you're you're kicking yourself on the wrong things by the sound of it. Yeah, that's just like <laughs> it's unrelated to that. Yeah, to bring it back to the book, actually, let's just go. Let's try this out. See if this goes anywhere. So the other, because the other yeah. event you did mention as well was the Australian side of Tomorrow When the War Began, because that is a big part of it. The whole like, it's, yeah. it's very Australian. It feels like like yeah. where they hold up, but even the description of the bush and all that stuff. It just feels that was what was awesome about it as an Australian because you don't feel like you get that much of that 
mm-hmm. stuff sometimes, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah, do you feel like the – I often find like I don't appreciate the local scene as much of like content in any way in terms of media, in terms of books or TV or whatever. Um, it's a gap that I try to fill now more so and music even for the Australian scene. For, firstly, is that something you feel ever or are you actually pretty um, good? You're, you're in touch with the scene. Oh, as in me personally? No, I probably am a pretty bad example of like – I'm probably like a pretty bad example of like content absorption in general. Like I try and watch a lot of relevant stuff and, and read a lot of stuff, but it, I do, you know, fall by the wayside a little bit just because maybe some nights – like, you know, just I, I just don't – I'm not like a binger kind of thing. Um, but I think as much as I said before about how like the Australian industry is growing and we should be really excited and positive about it. I also think, you know, you've got to be realistic and be like, you can't expect people to watch a product that is subpar. And I'm not, I'm definitely not saying that Australian stuff is, but I'm saying that occasionally it, it, when it is and when anything is, it, it doesn't, obviously it, it, you can't complain that people aren't watching it. And then the, the, the trouble is right now is that, um, we're in a market and a world where we have Netflix and Stan and Amazon and, you know, all these and Apple TV, all these streamers, you know, putting out really premium stuff onto their stuff. And it doesn't mean like all of it's great, but it's like we're, we're actually, it's not just channels 10, 7, 9, SBS and ABC anymore. It's like the whole world. So, you know, someone of a night can sit down and watch any new episode of like one of the biggest dramas in the world. So we've got to up our game in that sense. So I don't probably watch enough Australian stuff. And I think that's both me. And I think that's also, yeah, it's, it's the industry that I work in's fault. Everyone I, all of my colleagues and yeah, (laughs) just burn the bridges completely. No, no, no. It's, it's a hard, why not? Yeah. (laughs) It's got juicy. (laughs) It's, um, it's a really hard, like, mix because I understand why people don't tune in to whatever the show is because they've got so many options. Yeah. No, I get that. I know, I know. I, that's the same. So, because the other part of it was, um, this relates because you mentioned your podcast, which is called Unpacked, which is about uh, travel stories that have gone wrong and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, you, uh, so this is why, I, for some reason, I don't know why, I'm just like thinking of the strainness of the it's uniquely Australian. So almost like a tourist would almost look at something like Tomorrow When the War Began as a quintessentially Australian experience. So it's almost like, if you know what I mean, like a travel story <laughs> of being in Australia is yeah. Tomorrow When the War Began, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny, then you've turned that into like, obviously you're chasing that with your, this is me stretching hard, potentially. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's very local flavor. Let's put it that way. So is that something you appreciate about other cultures as well? Like the local flavorness of like, is that what you're looking for in these individual stories of travel stories? And I guess, does that extend to general info about other countries or is it more it's just hilarious because travel stories are always pissed <laughs> throwing up in a bucket <laughs> and getting chased by local police well I don't, that's no that's a really interesting question man i think what drew me to the concept like you said it's a it's a show that is purely based on on my guests um worst or weirdest times overseas and i think what interested me generally was like when you go overseas you are planning to either like essentially you're going over for an experience and experiences. Like I think this was said in one of the first episodes by one of the guests, um, whether when experiences are had overseas, they're like, they're like 
it's like a supernova of of an experience because it's you don't need you don't know the culture very well you don't know the language probably you don't know the customs you don't really know where you are you know it's all new there's so much stimulus going in and pinging around in your head that if something like trips you up in that moment it can be it can all be really heightened you know and so the stories just naturally came out and have come out I've done um three seasons so far um they've all just been really like interesting case studies in like how people deal with when shit goes down in like a foreign land and there's definitely like you were saying the the cultural stuff the the benefits of like learning about different customs and cultures and just you know i love putting in you know traditional music into the episodes and things like that just as like an added thing um but yeah it's purely it's really about the stories that come out of it i think right and uh, I guess this is – we'll probably finish it off here. And this does tie in. I think I think I can tie this in. So – and this is the other part. So you've mentioned already uh, you, you've had a pretty privileged existence, which I think can sometimes get uh, misconstrued and for good reason as boring in a lot of ways. <laughs> like as in – and your, your love of like Tomorrow When the War Began, which is obviously a very action-y book series. And then yeah. your love of hearing these stories about people in heightened scenarios and things like that. Do you – Feel like you like? Do you reckon you're chasing that because you want more of that in your own life, or is that something you look for? Or did you feel like it was lacking when you were growing up? And maybe I assume too much saying boring, but you know what I mean. I think emotionally. No, no, I de- definitely know what you mean. That's a really interesting question. I think I don't think I, I definitely don't think I'm chasing anything in terms of like a, I don't want to be like assaulted in like a foreign country or something. <laughs> um, I think I judging on how I react to like things like that like it being in a bad situation in the times that I have been the rare times that I have been I I'm not great so I think I probably am like more likely to just like enjoy hearing about them and living not not living through those but I think thinking about con- contemplating like I did with the book about like, how would you deal with this stuff? Like, you know, I, 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 I don't had want to actually deal a, with it, but how would you deal with it? Yeah. I, I don't you want any coward. part of it, but if, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you goddamn coward. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I, I did, um, I did have a bit, bit of a sketchy situation over in South America a few years ago. And when I got back to Melbourne, I, I joined like literally joined like a, a martial arts gym because I was like, okay, if I ever, you know, it was that classic thing of like, I'm not ready. I need to be ready. And like, and now I've like calmed down a lot because I'm like, ah, you, you, you'll be all right. Like, you know, um, so you, you, you've, you stuck to it. I've stuck to it. I haven't, obviously it's been hard for, for during COVID being, uh, yeah. doing jujitsu because it's like the most close contact thing you could ever do. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just um, all breathing in mouths. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Oh yeah, my god! So, so you had one bad experience, and you were so traumatized. <laughs> you went and learned martial arts. What uh, the hell is this? I don't even know. <laughs> like tomorrow, when the war began, was wrong. It's really scary in real life. <laughs> yeah, man. I was like fully just like nope, 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 nope. Gotta, gotta, gotta train. Um, no, I've I'm always I've done I've done martial it's arts so for my, I like. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a bit dramatic. I did karate as as a kid, as a lot of kids do for a few years, and quite enjoyed it. But was a bit young to like. I think fully um, get into it. So um, I think definitely like having a bit of a scenario overseas where like I. I mean, that's the thing, man. I've I've done this training, and I'm like I'm so bad. Or obviously, because I've only done it for like two years, but um, I still would just 
get out of the situation. You know, you don't, you know, I'm not like training up for this stuff to be like, I'm going to kick the shit out of someone. I'm like, nope, I would diffuse, diffuse, diffuse and walk away kind of thing. Like, um, yeah, it, yeah, it's purely, crazy I, I, to do I, anything else unless you were like, well, it's yeah. crazy regardless, but especially like, unless you're super trained. Yeah, like, no, exactly. And that's, but that's, but also by the way, that's what my, our coaches would say as well. Like, you know, the best defense is just not getting into any kind of situation like that at all. Um, yeah. So I think I would, I would very much be the same. I think it was, I think I started it very much because I was, uh, it was 2017, I think. And, um, I was having, I was doing my final year of uni, it was honors year and I was, there was not much contact with the school because I wasn't like a full-time student anymore. And so there was just this literally a gym, like two doors down from my house. And I was like, Speaking of a cowardice, I was like, "You're a coward if you don't at least try it out," because it kind of it kind of scares you a little bit. Like I would walk past it and be like, "Oh, that that kind of makes me a bit nervous." And I think I know what I want quite well. So I think the reason it was making me nervous was because I knew that I would go in there one day, and I was a bit like apprehensive of that. But I was like, "You coward! Like go and try it." And I ended up really enjoying it, just as exercise, even just as that mode. You yeah. Know? yeah. But definitely wouldn't employ it if I was out and cornered by like seven dudes. I'd be like, "Nope, take take what take my wallet. See ya." <laughs> yeah, it's asking for a lot. I think in that situation, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. So you're not so vicarious action is more your flavor rather than writing the I stories sup- about the exciting things. <laughs> I mean, I suppose I definitely don't want to come across as some like vanilla. Like, I definitely don't like shy away from exciting <laughs> scenarios i've been like bungee jumping and i love skiing and like all this kind of stuff but like yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't i definitely the stories that people have told me fuck no like no way i like the the you know getting tailed in in uh in africa by like a, a gang and or, or being you know stalked in russia or you know all that kind of stuff i'm like eh, it sounds like it, it's it's one of those things that's like in the moment it's terrifying but when you look back you're like Oh, that's pretty. What do you love? That's that's living, man. What are you talking about? That's the fun stuff, the terrifying, concerning sort of thing. That's yeah, the best but stuff. you don't you don't go and seek it out. Like when it happens, sure, and when you look back on it, for sure, I've got all those. I've got all those memories. I've got. I've had a lot of experiences, especially and especially you know, thinking of unpacked, like especially overseas. It just kind of happens because you kind of you know, almost it just is more likely to kind of something going going wrong is more likely to kind of cause a bit of, I guess, cerebral, like, oh my God, like this is an experience. This is something yeah. new and crazy. I think, adds you color. know, yeah, yeah. adds color. Yeah. No, a hundred percent all in for that. But, um, I'd love yeah. it if you, you okay. name this episode. Okay. It's like, it's like, um, coward, coward writer, Matt Kazakis, <laughs> like <laughs> hides behind oh, the computer. Title, the, the- the copy's definitely going to involve you being a coward. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, Coward, cowardly, a- privileged writer yeah. complains about getting his hands dirty for a few weeks while tiling. Direct, direct quote, I go skiing and bungee jumping, so... So I'm pretty tough, okay? I'm pretty tough, all right? I like, I like taking risks in when there's a chalet at the end of it, okay? That's how I like to do my risks. Um, so I think we should call it there because we've gone for a while. So um, I'd like to ask is, have you found any – do you feel like you've found any new connections between you and this series tomorrow when the war began? Um, I think I've learned that it was a bit more important to me than I probably did and I've also learned that I'm uh, terrified of living. And I'm, I'm just going to, I'm, you know what, I'm just going to live in isolation. I'm going to become a hermit. 
Uh, I'm not going to do anything. What a coward's <laughs> reaction to finding out he's terrified of living. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to hide more. <laughs> just avoid more things. That's yeah, yeah. No, no, that's it. <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm glad. I I'm just going to hear. I'm just going to interview people about their experiences. Write them down in my in my journal. To, so I know to avoid. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thanks very much. And uh, yeah, thanks for being on. Thank you, George. And I look forward to uh, doing an ep of Unpacked with you soon. 100%. All right. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.